how to set your SEO strategy for 2023 with Crystal Carter, Maria White, and Ray Devera. Hey, it's David, and welcome to the Majestic SEO Podcast, episode 36. Diving into the specifics of how to set your SEO strategy for 2023 with three great panelists. Now, as Dixon mentioned in the previous episode, he's moving on from helping Majestic um, this way as a host to other ways. So I'm going to be hosting this show now. And for the coming year, we're going to be focusing on what you need to do to drive SEO success in 2023. And to do that, Majestic are offering you two different podcasts that you can subscribe to. So firstly, SEO in 2023. Uh, that's a podcast series that works with the book SEO in 2023. Find out more about that, funnily enough, over at SEOin2023.com. And this show as well, the Majestic SEO Podcast, a.k.a. Old Guard versus New Blood, which will continue to offer a monthly discussion panel and offer um, as well um, different tips on a weekly basis. So SEO tips that support the SEO in 2023 series as well. You'll see as we go along. Uh, now, as I mentioned in this episode, episode 36 of Majestic SEO Podcast, we're going to be looking at how to set your SEO strategy for 2023 with three wonderful panellists. So without any further ado, um, let's get them on here at panellist number one. What's your name and where do you come my, from? My name is Crystal Carter. I am the head of SEO communications at Wix. I am based in the UK, but I am a California girl at heart. And um, and I'm really pleased to be here um, talking about SEO strategy. I In my previous role, I was a digital strategist, and I think strategically all the time about lots of different SEO tactics. And it's one of my favorite things to do. So yeah, I'm really pleased to talk about this today. Superb. Sounds like um, a great... Um relevant panellists to have in this particular discussion. Thanks for joining us, Crystal. And uh, next up, who is panellist number two and where do you come from? Hey, hey, happy new year. Happy 2023. My name is Paul Andre Devera, aka Dre, and I am the host and producer of the SEO video show and an enterprise SEO consultant that worked at companies that have worked a SAP, Success Factors, and a plan. So I'm here to help you get you started in 2023. What we're going to be doing is instead of just talking about SEO tactics, so I think many SEOs can default into talking about tactics, and that's not a great thing when you're considering strategy. Um, so let's be specific about what we're talking about today. Um, so focusing in on three key areas. So number one, what do SEOs need to know about the business that they're working in in general before starting to build an SEO strategy? Number two, what conversations do SEOs need to have with marketing leaders before starting to build an SEO strategy. And then number three, moving on to then, after all that, laying out an SEO strategy and how to incorporate that SEO strategy together for 2023. So let's go back to panelist number one, uh, Crystal. Uh, so Crystal, what do SEOs need to know about the business that they're working in in general before thinking about building an SEO strategy? So generally with SEO, you're either working on your own project or you're working as, as a, or you're working on behalf of clients, um, or you're working on behalf of a project, say for instance, with, where you're working in house and you're either working on one part of the website or you're working on the whole website and you maybe have a strategic goal that you're thinking about. And when you're doing that, it's really important that you understand what metrics the business will use in order to understand whether or not it's been effective. So just saying traffic for the sake of traffic doesn't always do the job. And SEOs can pat themselves on the back about impressions or traffic or, or views uh, and, the, and those sorts of things. But at the end of the day, if that doesn't translate into a metric that is valuable to the business then and to the business operations, then that's going to make it very difficult for the wider team to justify your SEO activities. It's also going to make it um, it's also going to make it more difficult for for them to um, continue to pay for your activities in whichever way that might be. So it's very important to understand what that might be. And now that could be sales, it could be leads, it could be um, it could be it could be signups for a certain certain uh, thing, but something that that con contributes to their funnel and eventually leads to money. Normally is is the thing. So it's important to understand what metrics they have and whether or not they're valuable, and also um, also whether or not they're measuring the right things. I've had it before where I've had clients where they were like, oh, we want to get this metric. And I was like, but, but does that actually contribute to the bottom line? And they were like, no. And I'm like, well, if it doesn't, I have this metric that seems like it does. So we can 
keep an eye on that, but this one seems to be actually more valuable to us overall. It can be trickier with bigger projects because sometimes there's a longer lead time, but I think understanding what what matters to the business is absolutely crucial. So metrics, absolutely key, but I love your use of the word projects as well, uh, because especially working in a larger organization, I think it's easy for SEOs to maybe identify what they think are opportunities, but they're not necessarily opportunities that are the most important to the business at that moment in time or over the coming year. Um, so identify the project that is um, key and will obviously bring you more love from other departments within the business as well. Maria. Uh, thank you for having me. My name is Maria White and I am head of SEO at Korgeiger. It's a luxury retailer brand, um, British brand with uh, luxury concessions around the world. Uh, I am responsible for everything um, organic uh, for SEO. I work very closely with mar the marketing department, the PR department and the engineering department, which is key for the SEO strategy, for, for the strategy to be su successful. So yeah, that's pretty much me quick in a nutshell. And uh, yeah, let's crack on. Wonderful, indeed. Yes. Okay. So Crystal's just answered the question from her perspective in terms of what's more important in terms of the conversation that SEOs need to be having with the business in general before even thinking about SEO strategy. Um, so I'll get your thoughts on that just in a second, Maria, but let's go to Dre. And uh, so, so Dre, what are your thoughts on that particular question? I'm going to take this to uh, kind of a different angle because let's, let's say you're starting with a new client, you're starting a new job with a new company, right? So the first thing you really want to do is understand the product. You want to understand the features. So you actually know what you're going to be actually optimizing for. I mean, you need to understand the audience. You need to make sure and see if it's a two-way marketplace. Are you going to um, optimize for event marketers and uh, event attendees? So you're looking at like two different different things you need to actually optimize for. So like, taking a step back and really, really analyzing the business itself with the product, the features, and, you know, the audience is something where you should really get started on before you get your SEO strategy going. Superb, superb. It's funny, my immediate reaction is start to thinking about SEO tactics. I'm sure many SEOs are similar because I immediately think, okay, well, if we're thinking about the audience, how do we actually match keyword phrases to audiences? And I have questions like that. But I, I don't want to quite go down that route uh, yet. It was interesting that you also mentioned the word product, and um, that, that that seems to be absolutely key. Uh, Maria, um, what are your thoughts in terms of um, the conversations that SEOs need, need to be having with leaders in the business before proceeding with that SEO strategy? Right. Um, first of all, um, one of the, the key aspects is to understand the niche as much as you can. If you understand the niche, then you it would be everything would be much easier. So my advice would be before you start an, an SEO strategy, or if you could just got a new client, is to if you can and if you have the time, is log yourself for about a week or ask get some time to understand fully the niche. That will give the that will give you understanding to other key areas such as competitors, um, target audience. And you would understand much easier the wider objectives of the organization because if you work in-house, especially for a large brand, sometimes SEO is just one component of the main objectives, especially when you have, like in our case, we have stores, we have D2C, B2B, we have several um channels, pillars within the whole strategy. So SEO, although it is one part, it is not obviously the minor or the least important, but in, I would say understanding the niche as much as you can to, if you can, as an expert level would give you ability to understand objectives and hold conversations with other teams, such as in my case, PR, marketing and engineering and uh, be able to get your strategy, the message or, or what you want to convey or you want to implement across every department. Some departments are more challenging than others. But yeah, I would say, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, so what we're hearing so far is understand the product, understand the, the niche. niche, understand the metrics. Um, let's go around everyone just once more on this particular section of the conversation. And actually, um, I want to ask you if someone has started uh, a new role within an organization or maybe kind of started brand new in an organization as a head of SEO, um, fairly big company. 
what job titles um, should you be seeking out to have a conversation with into understanding more about the product, more about the niche, more about where the business is going? Uh, Crystal, what are, what are your thoughts on that? I, wow, that's an interesting one. Um, so I think that it's important to think about who who will be, um, I'm, I'm thinking very tactically, tactically here, but like who's signing off the, the strategy because the strategy is, needs to be signed off. Who's going to be involved with the strategy? Certainly whenever you're thinking about um, and like which team is, yeah, which team is actually going to have to be implementing it. Um, um, so Maria talked about, about working across lots of different teams when you're working in a big organization that happens with smaller organizations as well. And it might be that it's one person that, that, that where you're like, oh, we need to do this and we need to do that. And we need, to, and it's like, that's, that's Susan. Susan does all of those things and she doesn't have time to do that and answer the phones and make the coffee or whatever it might be. Um, so, so, um, I think it's important to understand who will be the team that will be implementing whatever it is you might be strategizing about and your strategy will change depending on what your resources are. So if you have your own devs in-house, for instance, then you can say, okay, we can lean into that part of the strategy. If you don't have your own devs in-house and there's a, like, let's say it costs you money to like, to, to get devs, dev things implemented, implemented. And let's say there's a certain, there's a certain budget on that. And other people are also in that queue, which is the thing that happens. Then it might be, it might be the case that, you know, maybe we'll put 10% of the strategy towards towards those sorts of implementations and things like that. So I would look at whoever might be directly involved with, with the strategy and find out what resources they have, both with both uh, monetarily, with regards to time, with regards to knowledge, because it might be that you have lots of people who are like exec level and they've got lots of time and they've got lots of enthusiasm, but maybe they're not super skilled yet. And you might need to be, you might be like, okay, well, we can do a lot of tasks in like in, in bulk. Um, but, but, you know, strategically we can maybe do a few here, here, like more, like maybe we can have more things that are, have, have like a single strategic objective implemented on mass because we have that manpower. But if you have fewer people in a different way, then you might want to implement that differently. But certainly the understanding how many people and how much time you have and how much resource you have and whether or not you've got certain tools is really, really important. And... I'm going to ask a follow-up question to Dre, actually. Um, so in relation to that, Dre, so if you've got someone in charge of the strategy, someone who owns the strategy um, within a, a, a large brand, but they traditionally haven't had that much involvement in SEO, and perhaps when you approach them, they say, um, look, I'm just happy for SEO to do their own thing. You know, I'm, I'm too busy focusing on this and this and that. You know, you just do what you, what you want. What do you say to them um, to actually get, a better um, relationship with them and um, get SEO further up the table in terms of the conversation. Yeah, it's definitely all about attribution. You have to make sure analyzing and seeing how SEO can possibly save the company, SEO, how much SEO can bring to the company. Uh, one thing where like a lot of um, my counterpart, let's say someone in paid search would also get tons of budget, gets all the attention and stuff like that. So I'm like, I'm like, Hey, you know what? We can save more money uh, or save some money if you get ranking organically for these things. So being able to show these metrics um, of, of the, what you can save and how much you can spend is very, very important. That's one thing you should be able to do, but also education. Education is very, very important. This is something where I, the big organizations, like you mentioned, like, Oh, just do your own thing. Let them know how important it is. Let them know how much um, impact it will make for the company. I mean, for like large companies, like if you don't have the right attribution in place, uh, you, I mean, if you do, you can show like how much like SEO can bring to the company. Like, let's say for a company like Workday, um, back in 2021, organic search was attributed for over 500 million revenue. We could only do that when we had um, the right uh, marketing um, marketing uh, ops teams putting in place like, like stats like for you know, Adobe Analytics or you know Visible and stuff like that. Being able to put the right analytics and the tech stack for um, your company to show up in the leadership and just to show your work is very, very important. Maria, um, either in your current company or perhaps a, a previous company, what job titles outside of marketing do you typically seek out to try and get on board with your SEO strategy? Right. Um, well, first of all, like Crystal said, uh, first we need to find out, we need to start from the center back to out, uh, who are you going to report? And then from there, and like, um, for example, um, head of marketing, and then um, from there, CMO, um, all, all of these, uh, these people, decision makers uh, who have, who are involved in the wider strategy. And then 
identify the objectives um, that is in a big, big organization in a smaller one in my previous job was in a smaller agency as well with small businesses so in there it was basically the head of development the uh, ceo seo and, and the teams so the people i would be having conversations in that instance would be the head of development because of, of working building relationship with him and essentially with CEO as well, because he was in charge of the spend, the budgets and, and everything. So it's building a relationship with uh, the key decision makers in the organization, whether it's small or large. And uh, so in order to be able to explain when you have to make changes on a website or the strategy that involve a lot of budget, money or time, and that perhaps if we come as a CEO's full of jargon with with a big, big number mm. saying we need to do this change and it's going to cost X amount because X, mm -hmm. Y, Z, and full of jargon, they're going to just going to go and like, no, <laughs> like absolutely no. Let's prioritize whatever else. Mm. Let's give money to pay to marketing and pay teams and keep going that way. So I, for me, I would say marketing, CMO, um, development or chief architect, whatever the name of the, um, obviously the team of developers, engineers in your agency or in your business, build relationships with them because- I, I love that. Yes, build, and by this, I don't mean, for example, popping with developers now and then and give them a box of donuts. That's part of <laughs> <laughs> just, no, no, no. It's just oh, coming. Hey, how you doing? Like every team is different. For example, developers, it, whether it's a small agency, big one, in-house, whatever part in the world, developers tend to be more um, introspective, more, more, more like to themselves. Whereas marketing and PR, they are so extroverted and, and extrovert and, and all of that. So it's um, it's just building relationships with with, with these people because. Essentially, you're coming here with a with a strategy, with an analysis, and uh, whatever priorities they take on, they're going to have an impact on revenue. They're going to have an impact on spend for marketing as well. If we manage, for example, to implement um, big changes um, th that essentially are going to uh, increase organic traffic, uh, revenue, direct traffic could have an impact in direct, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, that means that, for example, for marketing could mean in future um, months or weeks, a diminution in spend perhaps for them because other free channels are kicking off, etc. So it is, I think everything is all about building relationships with the right people in every department, not the right people, decision makers with everyone, because you can have a greater relationship with the head of marketing but the person that you're dealing with every day, you might be having a clash. So it, it is just uh, building relationships with everyone. And so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the reason I love your mention of head of development is mm. that role is absolutely key as to whether or not you can implement what you want to implement absolutely. at the end of the day. You know, if you come up with your strategy, if you come up with your list of things that you want to do, um, what's the point in coming up with that if you haven't actually determined if, if it's feasible to implement what you want to do fairly quickly. So you have a general conversation with the head of development to, to, to begin with about how quickly you can Im implement what you may want to do. You can talk about the kind of things that you may want to do. You're not asking them to commit to certain things, but if you get an idea of timelines and um, how busy their team is likely to be and how much resource they're likely to be able to provide you with, then you'll be able to actually um, use that to shape your strategy. Yeah, it's basically just um, um, making a correlation between implementation, uh, the benefits it could have and, and revenue and, and all of that. And that's one part that's engineering, for example, marketing, having a close relationship with them because uh, they have tons of keywords they work with that you can use in SEO and uh, equally for them. Um, so yeah, it's, and, and, and PR obviously, because the work they do, if you have a PR department, um, the, the, the work they do obviously, is going to have a significant impact in organic as well. So, 
Wonderful. Uh, slight echo coming in there, sorry, when uh, Maria was was talking there. Um, if someone's not talking, if you could possibly just um, mute yourself, that'd be, that'd be great. Thank you. Let's move on to the role that SEO has with specific marketing departments and what roles are probably key um, moving forward in 2023 um, in terms of um, how that SEO strategy relates to other marketing uh, channels. Um, so, Crystal, um, what what areas, other areas of marketing um, are absolutely key to SEO in 2023? I've I've been speaking about this uh, um, quite a lot since um, since uh, writing SEO in in October. But um, in, in my opinion, and and I, I'm, I'm going to quote myself again. Um, in my opinion, like if you're an SEO, you're like Simba on the mountain. Everything the light touches is SEO. I think um, Google is making sure that the SERP is incredibly. Uh, full, full and rich of multimedia experiences. So while I don't necessarily think that you should be, you know, co-opting what your what your um, social media team are doing, for instance, the activity that happens on social media will if, impact your SEO activity. So it's important to be aware and to to um, to work strategically with that team um, to 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 distribute your content to um, to push forward with different keywords to get you know different links more visible. Um, so I talk a lot about how, like, you know, for instance, if you share something, if you share a link on Twitter and you're posting regularly on Twitter, then if somebody clicks the link from from the Google SERP, which will show your Twitter profile and will show your Twitter posts, they click that link that counts as organic. And this is something that that is is interesting and is useful, particularly when Google needs so many more cues to understand whether or not they should or should not index a piece of content. So this is something that can help with a, a lot. Um, also, Google Google recently um, uh, there was a there was an interesting post on um, Search Engine Journal that was talking about how Google understands whether or not content is made by AI. Um, and we've all seen ChatGPT all over everyone's um, internet feeds. And um, and in, in that document, they were talking about, um, about media, multimedia, and in, including video as being one of the cues that they, that they use to understand whether or not a content was created by an actual human being. And then we all know that you can also do, do AI with video, but they mentioned specifically video um, and things as, as, as a cue because you have to verify a YouTube account and blah, 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 and all that sort of stuff. So I think that these things are important. And also we all know that EAT is important. So that all contributes. So if you have, for instance, content that's written by people who have verified social media um, profiles, for instance, then that will that will impact how Google understands your content and, and how Google um, uh, recognizes your content overall. So I think that that all the channels are important um, and and where which which ones you prioritize will have to do with what resource you have. Um, and, and where your expertise lies. So for instance, like you might be, you might look around and say, oh, TikTok is where I should go, but you might not, not necessarily have the rest resources for TikTok just yet. If that's, that's the case, then maybe that's a lower priority, or maybe that's a more long-term priority for you, um, then, then, then not, um, then maybe say LinkedIn, which you might already have set up. So I think that, 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 um, in my experience and, and, and in, in my, um, in my, uh, uh, understanding of, of the way things are going, <laughs> with SEO in the future and for 2023, because I think certainly within the last month, ChatGPT uh, has like rocked the world. So so who knows where we'll be in a year from now. Um, but I think that that those those things will, will be something that we should be thinking strategically about and, um, and planning accordingly. So Dre, Crystal's initial card was social media second card was multimedia specifically video um what, what what card could you use to raise those two uh, marketing channels well the com the conversations you should have with marketing leaders is definitely like okrs there's something called okrs that bigger companies call objectives key and key results and this is where you can get seo more visible with other teams as being sharing key results with other teams like getting um co uh, shared, you know, share results. And this is something that you can work with the product marketing team, with the, the content marketing team, the dev team, understanding the processes within these teams is also very important. Let's say like understanding the sprint schedule of dev teams and understanding how you have to present your user story for these dev teams. It's very, very important. The conversation you should learn and, uh, and get started before you get your strategy going. I mean, so even on top of that, like you have the multimedia teams, you have the video teams, but then again, you can show them again, I'm, I'm all about data. I'm being able to show 
how much impact, you know, like their work does because being able to show them, give them feedback on how like they share something, how much views or how the video is ranking, being able to hold that, that, that loop of feedback of what your other teams are doing will just empower you to become a better SEO and, you know, someone that they want to talk to. Mm. Sorry, Crystal. I was just going to say, I was like, amen. Like, I just like, like the, 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 loop of, the loop of that and like, yeah, the, the ranking of the content that they're doing on the thing and how it affects all of that is like super valuable. Anyway, yes. Maria, what's um, marketing departments, um, specific channels within marketing do you seek out initially? Well, the, the channels I work with on a daily basis are pay media. Um, uh, we are we work together um, because especially, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say this, but I'm going to say Go it anyway. It. Um, uh, we, we have, uh, we launched a global website um, a, a year ago. And uh, as part of that, we work on paid campaigns around the world. Uh, obviously, since I'm Mexican and I know the Mexican market, I know the niche, uh, like I know my, the palm of my hands. Um, We've been running a few experiments uh, with uh, translation, localization. Not only that, we believe that when we launch content um, abroad, it's important translation and localization. We ran some incredibly successful tests where, apart from localization, we also match uh, the the content to linguistic phenomena. One, <coughs> excuse me, one very common in Mexico is Spanglish where in the north and that affects the way people search and how some brands present the categories and products such as sarah for example mixes spanish and english for the website uh, how it appears in the north of mexico versus how it appears in in the south um so we adapt the way people search which can be spanish and english in one sentence in the north of mexico to the content perhaps of some of the ads and the engagement we've had has been significantly higher. Like we're talking significantly higher in terms of engagement, conversing and leads and essentially revenue from paid, direct and organic than if we just go the route translation localization. We've been matching translation. Uh, we've done translation localization and adapting to linguistic phenomena and adapting to intent and um, the way people search, depending as well where these ads are going to uh, be shown as well. Uh, if it's in Mexico, is that is we can combine Spanish, Spanish and English. If it's perhaps in Panama or down, more down to South America, it's different versus Spain. Spain is a particular one where no English, no Anglicisms whatsoever in their content. In, even though that is fashion and you have the Anglicism or Anglicism here and there, it's just Spanish. So I work very closely with paid media. I work with content. I work with PR. I work with, with engineering. Uh, but in marketing, it's paid media, it's email, it's affiliates, it's uh, social media as well, because as well, um, for depending on our target audience when we launch globally some people perhaps engage use depending the, the social media um, main channels might differ than how for example in south america than what they use in in the uk for example in mexico we would have thought uh, well tiktok is where people goes to find uh, to be influenced and is we should invest all in tiktok it's still quite in its infancy TikTok in Mexico for for to make purchasing decisions to to get influences more perhaps for some niches like fashion perhaps for florists perhaps for gifts still Instagram Facebook TikTok is growing but whereas in the UK and some parts of Europe could be TikTok um, so yeah it's interesting to work with all of these departments and uh, matching. Um, working matching intent with the content they're they're in looking to use and it, doing experiments because also we have the freedom to do these experiments I, not many people are fortunate to have that freedom to run and do <laughs> whatever 
I think also that point it's the point you were making about the north northern Mexico and the the Spanglish or whatever because that I think there's that you probably would have crossed over to some audiences that are also in the US as well in the south of the US so exactly. I, I think it's really interesting that um that 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 ties in with your earlier point about trust because you said I'm from Mexico I know it and so they so they you would have gone you would have said I know this and they would have yeah. trusted you with yeah, this money about this thing that you know it's knowing not only, um, I'm very fortunate to be where I am because it's the first job where I, since the interview, I knew the niche, but like that, like, because I consume fashion since I was a child. I know trends. I know all sorts of scandals within the fashion industry. <laughs> Ask me something, I know it. Okay. So what is to come? I know it as well. <laughs> okay. But, so on top of that is knowing your own people as well, like in, in Mexico, how they behave wherever they go in Mexico, wherever they are in the south of, of the US or in Europe, different behaviors. So along with that SEO, you attach SEO to it. So I'm like, Andres trying to ties into Andre's point about knowing your audience as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because no, no, knowing the, the niches, well, it takes you to think, oh, I know the, who the competitors are. I know, I, I, I know where you're going and I know what is going to work in terms of products in, in, for example, in Scandinavia, which collection is going to be more successful in Scandinavia than it's going to be in Mexico. If you know your niche, you're going to know what your target audience wants. But if you're launching globally, for example, if you are to launch two collections, the neutral and the, uh, let's say the rainbow collection, the rainbow collection is going to be far more successful in London, obviously, and in, for example, in Africa and in South America, because in Africa and South America, it's all about color, vibrancy, textures, whereas perhaps in Scandinavia, it's more about neutral colors, monochromatic stuff. So perhaps the neutral timeless collection is going to be more successful over there than it is in South America. But let's take everything that you've you've shared so far. You, you've, you've offered mm -hmm. some great, very specific tips there. You know, um, Crystal, love you talking about actually you can use video to demonstrate the fact that um, you're not AI, you, you're not a bot, you're a real person. Um, you know, Maria, you're sharing some, some wonderful tips and the fact that you can learn from PPC. You can be very niche with your understanding of your audience based upon what you can learn from PPC there as well. Um, you know, Dre sharing some great things about audiences as well. So what can we do with everything that we've learned? What, what, what can we do with the conversations that we've had with everyone internally, um, with the channels that we want to interact with in 2023? Um, how does all that actually come together um, and actually fit together with what you want to do in terms of SEO to create an SEO strategy? So Crystal, what, what, what does um, an SEO strategy look like in 2023? So it's interesting because at the beginning of the session, you, you said, oh, SEOs think a lot about tactics and we think need to think more about strategy. In my opinion, I, th I think that the tactics are always there, but I think it's like how you use them. So I think that it's a question of if you think about it, somebody playing a, um, a beautiful, a beautiful, I don't know, uh, a beautiful piece on a piano. Right. They're all hitting notes. They're all playing, you know, things that are within the same scale or whatever. But like, you know, if somebody puts together a sonata they've moved with intent. So basically you're taking, you're taking, um, you're taking your tactics and you're putting them all together so that you, so that you move everything in, in, in one, in one, one direction. And sometimes when you do the strategy for it, when you present your strategy, it seems very grand and very big or whatever. But then when you get into the day to day, you're like, okay, so what we need to do actually is fix all of those images. We need to fix all of this meta description, all of these meta descriptions, we need to fix all of the schema. We need to fix all of this janky code. Like we need to fix all of that sort of stuff. And it, and the day to day stuff maybe isn't all that, that's super exciting but if as it from with from your strategic eye view you can see that, that that all of these things are all pieces of the puzzle that fit into your overall um overall strategy so i think i sometimes like to think of it uh, um as like a like a um like a soap opera <laughs> so in a soap opera there's always there's always a a long tail story like there's always like who you know who was the man in the in the tower at the end of the road or something and that they'll, they'll give you a little piece of the puzzle of that all the way along the along the along the the um the season or whatever but each each week or each month something happens along the way so there's will be a little story that happens along the way and they all contribute and all build up to the to the whole thing overall so i think it's important to think that they don't get overwhelmed if like and think that you have to do everything all at once all of these little pieces all are part of, of your strategy. So I think that once you get your strategy 
break it up into something manageable because there's no, it's no good just having like, you know, some big, some big grand plans if you don't have any, any sort of ways of implementing them. And I think that, that before you, before you lay out your strategy, prioritize whenever I've, I've written strategies for other clients and things, you know, people, people always, people always roll their eyes about the traffic light system, but it's really useful. So I'll say like, so and it's just really useful. And you like, you can, you can say, you know, time and I'll, and I'll say this takes this much time. And this, this, I think might be this much effort, or this is this important. So you can say, this is going to take like 10 minutes. It's not that important, but it'll just take you 10 minutes and it'll be like, and it'll help. So it's like people will be like, yeah, I'll do that. That'll take me 10 minutes, whatever. Um, and if it's something that's going to take you three months, if it's going to take you six months, then you can start laying the groundwork for, for that so that you can move it forward. And if you could say, this is going to take us six months and it's not going to have that big of an impact, then it's, that can be a, like, if you know, if somebody gets to it kind of job um, and part of part of the strategy. So I think that and I think that that it's important to to parse it up based on your priorities and based on your resources um, and to move forward in that way and to use the tactics strategically. Dre, how long should an SEO strategy be for? What, what kind of time scale are we talking about here? I, I go, um, I do from yearly and quarterly, I and mean, this is how I break it up. Uh, of all the things we do here, I, I usually break it up on understanding, assessing, and then optimizing. So you kind of got those three pillars when you kind of break out your strategy. So like we talked about earlier here, understanding understanding the audience, understanding the product, and making sure you, you put this in a nice presentation and present it. That's one, one key word that Crystal's mentioned is like present your presentation. If you just show your manager, um, make, it may not go anywhere, but so make, take the initiative to present your strategy to all the stakeholders. Uh, like uh, when you have your understanding, like that's where you can get some feedback on whether you're understanding the product correctly, if you're understanding the uh, audience correctly, and then assessing, ass- assessing what's already out there. Talk to your content marketing team, understanding what content's already out there, seeing what their, again, their, their uh, OKRs are, what people's budgets are, and making sure you have that and like, you know, being able to understand that you go, you guys are going after the same KPIs, and then of course optimizing. You know, going out and just optimizing, taking you know, executing on what you have going on. So, understanding, assessing, optimizing, kind of break up in those three. Do it quarterly, present quarterly, present yearly. Again, but you have to present. So don't just show your manager, share it out to the team, but make an initiative to book those meetings with all the leaders to present your strategy um, throughout the company. Maria, what what does in your opinion, an SEO strategy looks like and how do you measure success? Um, well, an, an SEO strategy would look from ISAM is a combination of an assessment of what happened the previous year. Or, for example, if you're new in a company, in an agency, and you ask for a strategy, first of all, have a look at an existing um, SEO audit or what has been done, then assess. And then from there, you make a strategy that is form of, for example, um, I'm just thinking like bullet pointy in, in, and that's how it's my brain. So you start with an introduction, uh, assessment of traffic, um, assessment of all of the different elements. And then you, you move on to a, a, a document where you say, okay, based on what work or what is, what is going on, uh, or then we're going to move on to this plan, this, which is actually the strategy, which is divided by, um, I've got here a little, it, it differs from, uh, this is just a sample I created. That doesn't mean is what I use at work. Obviously, it's a big organization, but you could do something like uh, the strategy that com- is composed by your objective, right? What is it that you're looking to increase? And in every component of SEO, technical content links, what is it that you're looking to increase? What is it that you are looking to in- increase in terms of SEO to the wider objectives, right? increase uh, revenue from organic, increase traffic, attract uh, different people or increase traffic in a specific zone, whatever, whatever your objective is. And then from the objective, then you move to the, you divide the objectives into as many bullet points as you can. Then from there, you move to the strategy, exactly what is the strategy, your plan of action to get to that, to achieve that objective strategy plan of action and then from the plan of action with all the strategy you move to the deliverable or tactic tactic and strategy not the same thing the tactic is part of the strategy right it's like a deliverable for example my strategy my plan of action for that objective is um let's say i I don't know whatever um this is my plan of action so within that plan of action perhaps link building or and within link building, this tactic is what I'm going to use to this deliverable 
is what I'm going to use in my strategy that is going to contribute towards my objective and then part of the plan. So I can put on Twitter all of these little thoughts and also checking your strategy, not right, not getting carried away and planning five, ten years like some people do <clears throat> ahead. Things change. I mean, not many people knew a year ago about ChatGPT, which is a game changer. Mm -hmm. It's not replacing us as SEOs. TikTok is not replacing Google. No, it's just things change, right? So plan, have your strategy, right, for a year or, or, or two years tops, and then re revisit that strategy every six months or every three months because things might change. Right, the Google algorithm might change and might have a change that it means that maybe the, your work as a CEO might change, not your rankings, your work as a CEO. Um, GTP appears, then maybe whatever, right? So is have your strategy for a year, two years, and revise it with your team or your water team every three to six months. Lovely. Okay. And you kind of preempted what's going to be my last quick question there, Maria. And um, that is stick or twist. Um, because you kind of said that um, an overarching strategy should be a year, perhaps two years long in terms of um, what you want to achieve long term. But you also said review what you're doing every three to six months or so. Um, so my question was going to be, if a new technology comes along, like ChatGTP or, or something else, um, should you perhaps suddenly change and um, decide to do something entirely differently? Or should you definitely stick for at least three months or six months and see through what you're doing? So, Crystal first, uh, are you a stick or twist person? <laughs> I, I, I'm i going to, I don't think anyone said it yet, so I'm going to drop the it depends bomb. Um, uh, Andre, I don't know if you've got your... Oh, I, I knew you were going to come in, so I'm going to do it. Whatever, I've done it. I'm going to do it. Okay, because because I've definitely had it before where sometimes you have to, like sometimes you have to twist, like they make you. So I've had it before where, where you know, Google changes the SERP and then like you have to twist. You like, because the, the because people are like, our traffic's gone, like their traffic's gone, the traffic's changed, what is going on? We have to do something. So you have to change your tag um, or your competitor does, does something, something you didn't expect. Or maybe there's, um, uh, Maria mentioned, mentioned a fashion drama. So maybe there's some drama that's happened somewhere um, or maybe, or maybe there's some good drama that's happened somewhere. You know, you know, you got some fantastic coverage somewhere and suddenly you're viral and you're like, okay, well, we should do something about this now. Um, and so you can't just go, well, I've got my deliverables and I've got my strategy and I should take off the, no. No, <laughs> like, um, you know, the internet is a living, breathing thing. So, you know, you have to, you have to respond. Sometimes you have to respond. Um, uh, at the same time, you should not panic. So some, so when the helpful content update came along, lots of people were like, oh, I should delete all of my terrible. It's like, do you need to? Was it that bad before? I'm not sure, maybe. Um, and people think that, you know, that they should, that they should start panicking straight away after an algorithm changes. But sometimes algorithms change back. Um, so, so if you panic straight away, then you don't, you're not working with all of the data that you could, that you could be using to make those accurate decisions. Andres talked loads about, about, um, data today, and that is absolutely your friend. So I think, I think it depends again on what your overall strategic objectives are. I know. Oh, don't it. No, don't, I didn't, don't I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, did <laughs> The same depends. Um, so, it's the second so, one of the year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think, yeah. So keep your, your overall, your overall objectives in mind. You know, your North star is like, we, let's say your North star is we want to be the leader in this market, for instance. And so, you know, you want to think what, what will help us do that more if we need to twist this way. And I've also had with clients where they, they were just very dynamic and I, I, I'd sit down. I'm like, okay, I'm going to plan our strategy for the next three months. And they'd be like, yeah, we changed everything last week. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, and then, I, then I'd be like, okay, I'll replan again. And then they change. And then certainly during COVID, if you had any businesses that were like open, close, open, close, open, close, you had to change your strategy all the time. Um, and, and so sometimes we, I, I, for this particular one, I was just like, I'm not, my, my strategy is to like, we have a, a a general north star, and I have a list of things that I think will get us there eventually, <laughs> and we will we will work towards that. But but also, I'm going to understand that this is a dynamic thing. You know, I don't think I don't recommend that for everyone, but for this particular one, it was better than spending like hours and hours planning again and again and again and again and again and, again and not being able to implement things. So 
Trey, stick or twist, or um, should you stick with a strategy for a minimum of three months? I'm a sticker. Coming from an enterprise SEO, I mean, this is something where it's like it's things get done really, really slow. And when you plan, you're planning maybe six months in advance, maybe like before the next year. I mean, you're mid year, so like, this is something where you stick. And then if you guys, if your if your company is a huge name, big brand, and you don't have to worry about like any reg, um, algorithm updates, it's like and you're following best practices, sticking to the original plan to the um, overhaul company or goals is something that I, I've always been accustomed to. And Maria, are you a sticker yeah. or a well, it depends? Or again, I hate to say what I'm, I'm going to drop the fourth one. It depends. Well, if you don't, <laughs> no, let me tell you why. Because um, in an in a niche as ever changing and as dramatic as beautiful as fashion is. Um, you, we need to change depending. Things might change from collection to collection, from season to season. We are very careful with our, with our brand. I love uh, I, I love my brand, uh, the brand I work for. But imagine how it went for someone like Valenciaga. You know, we all know Valenciaga that uh, started with being different, and I was kind of loving it. And then suddenly they decided it's a good idea to have this campaign that destroyed them. So how do you recover from that? How from uh, the campaign for those who don't know uh, Valenciaga, who decided in the latest campaign in November to launch uh, a bag, a handbag, which was a teddy bear cover in bondage. And they thought it was a good idea to have children in beds with that object, like bondage uh, object in their hands. So plus some pedophilia documents out there. It was just, it was, it was just like terrible. How do, does a fashion brand recover from that? The, their sales when plummeted in three weeks, like 60%. Uh, this is uh, data her, uh, I, I read somewhere on Twitter uh, from a, a, a known source. And so, so if there isn't, I would say in terms of the strategy, if there isn't anything, an external factor that you have no control of, such as COVID, uh, scandals or a viral campaign or stuff like that, good or bad, any change that could be good or could be bad, stick uh, every three months kind of checking in case you might need to make a change in six months or you might need to adapt something else, a tactic that perhaps I'm thinking small businesses, okay, you're working with certain local influencers, okay, that is working for you maybe we might need to add a little bit more on the second half of the year of the strategy more of that we might need maybe this type of content in the newsletter worked better for this other um florist let's say i used to work with florists in the past okay well maybe this is working for you let's maybe increase more of that and remove less of that perhaps something that is not working maybe someone got really excited and invested a lot in TikTok, it didn't work. Well, let's go back to Instagram. So it's revising, it's, it's checking um, your revenue, your etc., and see what is working within three months. And if we, so that can give us a picture of what to change on by the second half of the year in your strategy. And I think you can definitely build in those tests as well. You can say, we're, we're going to test this for this long and see like, see if this works. And if it does, we will keep going. And exactly. if it does not, then we won't. <laughs> exactly. Another thing super important as well is like, if you have the chance, like in my case, to test and, and make changes, then don't make a change just because test all the time. Test, test, test. One thing I'm testing at the moment with a, another group of friends, this is outside work. We have a website and... Um, it, it was a niche, a niche website just for fun. And uh, I noticed something. I, but I, It's slightly premature, but I'm just going to say it anyway. So the content that is being written by, by hand, by regular, normal human writers by hand and all of that, we noticed that it's indexed normally within one week, with one day, two, three days, one week tops. The pieces of content that we injected, written with ChatGPT, are not being indexed yet. It's been like a week or so. We started this project in November as a test, and we are like, mm. Mm. "Interesting." Mm. So maybe Google is already like um, we, we're continuing to do this because we we have three writers that are writing content like like they normally do, and then we inject as well. We inject three pieces of content written by a content writer 
we also inject three people, three pieces of content written with using ChatGPT. The other written by humans are indexed as per normal, like normal, like it, it always does the content. But the other ones start to be indexed. Now they're taking, they're starting taking a week. And now it's been three weeks of one piece of content that we published just before Christmas. Well, like not before Christmas, like the one before Christmas, it just hasn't been indexed. It's, it's New Year. And, and so we are thinking, mm, maybe Google is already been able to, I don't know. We don't know. We don't know. That's the thing. Oh, we don't know. On that bombshell, I think we have to say mm-hmm. to be continued. We should have made this a two hour long episode. It could have been at least that, if not more. Yeah. Chats. GTP is certainly something we're going to dive into more in the future as well. I want to ask you follow-up questions or discuss things like, how do you actually detect if your outsourced content writer is using ChatGTP or not, if that's the case? But um, let's 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 leave that thought out there. And um, I just want to say, I've been your host, David Bain. You've been listening to episode 36 of the Majestic SEO podcast, starring Crystal Carter. Crystal, where can the listener find out more about you? I'm on uh, Twitter for the moment, um, most uh, most actively at Crystal on the web. I'm also on LinkedIn. I also have a Mastodon account, um, which I need to have another go at because there's a really good good community there. Um, so so yeah, um, you can find me. I think I'm Crystal on the web at Mastodon as well. Wonderful stuff. And um, also Dre, where can people find you? You can find me on LinkedIn at Paul Andre. You can find me on Twitter at Paul Andre. And of course, every Friday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on YouTube, SEO Video Show. And Maria. <laughs> Maria, thanks so much for joining us as well. Where can people find you? Um, on Twitter, mainly, is Maria underscore Amelie. Um, yeah, I'm there most of the time. <coughs> Sorry, at the moment, <coughs> excuse me. Um, I put my, I, I protected my tweets because superstition. I have the first week, I just like don't interact socially. It's just superstition. First week of the year. But then I will unlock my tweets eventually. But just once week, one week a year, only one. It should be more. Perhaps I should be locked for six months. But one week a year, I just don't do that. Thank you so much for joining us live. If you watch live, if you want to join us live next time, sign up at majestic.com slash webinars. You can see what's coming and hopefully you can interact a little bit more in future episodes. Thanks for joining. Thank you so much for having us. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.